We're reading Ephesians uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through to chapter 4, verse 6. Is that right? Okay, right. Okay. Um, This is a prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Well, good everyone. Good morning. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Paraka. Really glad to see you this morning. I want to tell you about something that happened. This happened to me just last week. Uh, my wife, Pip, she was out with a couple of friends. It was getting late, so I decided I'm going to go to bed early, even though she's not home. Uh, so I did lie down. So I had a, opened my book, read the chapter, starting to feel pretty tired, put the book down. And I leant over to turn off my bedside light. And that's when I saw it scurrying across the, 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 the bedroom wall. A spider. My heart starts kind of thudding and adrenaline just kind of begins shooting through my body. And any thought of sleep that I had just a few seconds before is instantly gone. Um, the, the spider decided to stop on our blind. I was like, okay, my heart's pumping. Okay, take a couple breaths, calm down. I looked around, um, grabbed the book, went to whack it, and I got all blind, no spider. And so the spider then creeped underneath the blind, up onto the other side of the blind. And so I'm sitting there thinking, well, what do I do now? <laughs> I can't just go to sleep and pretend it's not there. I know it's there. And also, I can't really pull back the blind to just check, can I? Because you know, what if the spider is right there and all sorts of bad things could ensue? What a night. Um, You'll be glad to know, I'm sure, that by the end of the night, I was the victor in this situation. (laughs) Some of you are sad for the spider. Come on, what about me? (laughs) Um, But it got me thinking, look, being scared of spiders, this was something that I thought I would have grown out of by now. These little hairy eight-legged creatures. You thought by now in my life that I realized they can't actually do you that much harm. You'd have thought that. But clearly that has not happened. And it's true, isn't it? We, 
we expect in life to grow up. And I don't mean just kind of physically. We expect to grow up in our maturity. So let me give you an example. I've got a boy, Isaac. You've seen Isaac running around here before. He's one and a half years old. Right now, look, when he does a poo, I've got to clean it up. Or or my wife's got to clean it up. When he's 15, I'm really hoping that's not still the case. But more seriously, you know, now Isaac doesn't really make any decisions. He um, does what we do, he eats what we put in front of him, uh, he goes where we go. By the time he's 15, I hope he's developed some kind of responsibility where he can make good decisions about what time to go to bed and what things to eat, how to be healthy. And if he gets to 25 and I've still got to pick clothes out for him to wear in the morning, you know, there's a big problem, isn't there? We expect to grow up through life. and I mean, some of us are planners about this. We plan, you know, the next 10 years of where we're going to go and how we're going to get there and, and all the goals along the way. Others of us, though, we're, we're kind of more vague, aren't we? we? We kind of don't really know the steps we're going to take. We've just got a vague direction about we'd like to be kind of in this space doing these kinds of things and being this kind of person. But either way, no, no matter which kind of person we are, we still are expecting to grow in life, to change, to mature. What about, friends, in your spiritual life? What are your expectations when it comes to maturing as a Christian? Is this something you expect will just happen? You think, well, I'm a Christian and Christians grow maturity, don't they? So of course I'm going to grow. Or maybe you think, that's something that happened in the past. I I mean, there's that time in my life where I was really gung-ho for God and I grew heaps then, and now it's just a matter of trying to coast along and not go backwards. Maybe you're here today and you just think, I am so tired and so lacking energy. So the idea of growing really is the furthest thing from my mind right now. I'm just trying to hold it all together. That's enough for me. Or again, maybe you're here today. And you're just not really on board with this whole Jesus thing. So the idea of, of growing spiritually is something that is appealing to you. But you're wondering, is Christianity really the way to do that? Or you know, is there a different path for me that I ought to take? Today we're continuing this series we're on called Who Are We? We're looking through a part of the Bible called Ephesians. It's, it's, it's a letter. It's a letter written by a guy called Paul, written to a church in the ancient city of Corinth, uh, in, in the ancient city of Ephesus, which is around about there in the um, modern day world. As we read through this letter, we're seeing five big things, five purposes that really shape who we want to be as a church. And today, like I said, is week four, and the big purpose we're talking about today is maturity. Uh, let me give you a brief outline of where we're headed today then. We're going to start by looking at what the Bible has to say. What has the Bible got to say about this? Then we're going to think, in light of the Bible, who are we? Who do we want to be? And then finally, we want to move to what does that actually mean practically for us? What does it look like in our lives? So we're going to start with the Bible. In the Bible, this is what we see. God wants us all to grow in maturity. God wants us all to grow in maturity. Uh, You see that in the passage that Stuart just read out for us. It started with a prayer. It was a prayer for maturity. Uh, Really, there's kind of three parts of the prayer. Let's just work through them briefly. Firstly, Paul says he prays for inner strengthening. Verse 16, uh, I pray out of the glorious riches 
He may strengthen you, as God, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see what you've got here? The spirit doing his work, Christ dwelling in us, God digging into the riches and the deep treasures that he has. All of this so that we might be strengthened. Stay firm, not give up on the faith, but keep going on in our lives. Because we cannot be mature if we give up. It's, it's very simple. So Paul prays firstly that we'd be strengthened. And then he prays that we'd grasp and know Jesus' love. Uh, in verse 17, middle of verse 17, he says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge. You see, firstly, he wants us to learn, uh, to to understand the dimensions of Jesus' love for us, just how big it really is. Uh, This is how one writer put it. He said, The love of Christ is broad or wide enough to encompass all of mankind. It's long enough to last for eternity. It's deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner and high enough to exalt him to heaven. See how big Jesus' love is. Friends, have you understood how big Jesus' love for you is? It is immense. But the prayer isn't that we just understand this and grasp it. Paul wants us to experience it too, to to, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Which can sound kind of strange, right? If something surpasses knowledge, how can you know it? But the point, I think, is fairly simple. Is no matter how much we know Jesus loves us, it is still too big, it's still too long and wide and high and deep for us to fully grasp. There's always more to know. And in fact, we're going to spend an eternity getting to know just how big Jesus' love for us is. So Paul is praying for inner strengthening because we can't be mature unless we're strengthened, unless we keep going. He prays we'd know Jesus' love because we cannot be mature unless we know deeply how much Jesus loves us. And then finally, he prays that we'd be filled. At the end of verse 19, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is extraordinary, friends. The fullness of God here is about his perfections, right? He's, he's full of life, full of power, uh, full of goodness. He's, God is perfect in every way. And that's the standard. Paul says, that's the standard. I'm praying that you'd get there. I don't think he means that we're going to get there tomorrow and that we need to strive to somehow be perfect in exactly every way like, like God is now. or We should expect that we would be like that. But he's talking about our final state, where we're going to be in the new creation That's what we're headed for. And Paul says, that's kind of the trajectory I'm praying you'd be on even now. You may not get there until the new creation, but that's what I want to pray for you now. More and more and more. Filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That we'd be who God wants us to be. That we'd be holy like our God is holy. It's a prayer here for maturity. A prayer that we would be spiritually mature. I want to just for a moment, um, is that the kind of prayer that you're praying for yourself? 
Are you praying for your own? Are you praying for your own maturity? And are you praying for the maturity of, of each other as well? Friends, this is not a small thing in life, is it? It's not like it's a DIY project you can just whip up in the, in the backyard one afternoon. It's huge. Because maturity is not something that we get to a point in life and think, well, I've made it now, haven't I? I've reached the pinnacle. Christian maturity is a lifelong project. None of us have reached it yet. We've all got room for growth. And in fact, this is what God wants for us. He wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. So friends, are you praying for your maturity? For your own and, and, and for others as well? You've kind of been guessing here that there's a danger I see here. And the danger is we think that we've actually finished growing up. That we've reached the maturity goal. But in fact... None of us have really reached that measure of all the fullness of God in our lives yet, have we? So, so growing in maturity is for all of us. Are you praying for it? Do you have a passion to grow in your own life? There's a second danger I think we can have when we talk about maturity, and it's this. Uh, maturity is about what I know, and so the most mature person is the person who knows the most stuff about God, about Christian, Christianity, about the Bible. Actually, Ephesians helps us here too, because right after Paul prays for maturity, he then gives a plan for maturity. He prays for it, then he gives a plan for maturity. You can see it in, in, in chapter 4, verse 1. He says to the Ephesian church, as a prisoner for the Lord then, there we go, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Here's the plan for maturity, isn't it? And it's not necessarily about knowing heaps of stuff. It's about life. It's about living a worthy life, a life that's fitting with who we're called to be in Jesus. And really, the whole rest of the book of Ephesians, the last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, they all go on to talk about what this looks like. But I want to take you to the very first thing, what this worthy life looks like. It's, it's in the next verse. Paul says maturity affects the way that you do church together. Be mature in the way that you treat each other within your church group, with each other. Be humble, be gentle, be patient. It's not going to always be easy, so out of love, bear with one another. Make every effort to keep the unity that God has given you. And the point is simple, isn't it? Maturity isn't just about knowing stuff. It's more than that. It's about how we live, living a life worthy of Jesus. So as we read the Bible, this is what we see, friends. God wants us all to grow in maturity. Now, throughout this series, Mike said before, we've been seeing the five purposes that shape our life. We've seen magnification, that everything's about God's glory, mission, calling more and more people to live for the glory of God, membership that we're committed to one another in our church here. And today we see the fourth purpose, maturity. God wants us all to grow in our maturity, to grow in what we know about him, but then leave that out. Let that shape who we are in our lives. So in light of this then, who are we going to be? Have you ever seen those ads on TV about superannuation? I think those ads are the most boring ads on TV. But they get your attention. And I think they get our attention because they're all about where you end up in life. 
growing, and particularly about your bank balance growing. They've all got different ways of saying to, to you, if you invest with us, your super will end up up here somewhere. It's going to grow for you. And one of them actually shows two people at the bottom of an escalator. And throughout the ad, one escalator goes up while the other one goes down. And it's playing on the idea, isn't it, that we want to be the one up the top. That, that we want to be the one who's, who's grown, who, whose super has grown for them in life. Nobody wants to be the one at the bottom. But if we get what God is saying to us today, we're not going to be so interested in our super funds growing. I mean, sure, that's not a bad thing and it might make retirement a bit easier, but, but there's a kind of growth that we want to value far more than this. It's a spiritual growth. It's growing in Christian maturity. Because when you think about it, having a super fund that grows for you might help you for the last 10, 10 or so years of your life. But that's about it. Growing in Christian maturity has value thousands and thousands and thousands of years into eternity. We don't want to value the super fund at the cost of valuing the maturity. You see what it is, see which one is the better thing to pursue, friends. Where does it land in, 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 in real, real value? Super funds run out after 70, 80 years. Growing in Christian maturity, that has value into eternity. Let's be those who value that, friends. That's what we want to value. That's what we want to treasure. Let me ask you now, are you the kind of person who's a planner in life? Are you the kind of person, you've got the next 10 years planned out, you've got the points along the road, the goals that you want to hit, where you want to be. Is that you? If that's you, I want to, I want to pose a question to you now. What plans do you have to grow spiritually? How are you going to invest in these next 10 years in your Christian growth? Or are you the kind of person who doesn't really like to make plans? That you know, You've got that vague idea about where your life would like to go, but you're a bit happy just to go with the flow. You don't have the things plotted out so easily. Is, is that you? Are you more that kind of person? Then let me ask you a different question. Where does your Christian maturity factor into your vague direction in life? Because, friends, here is one thing you don't want to leave up to chance. Here is one thing we want to be committed to, that we want to value. So how will you let God and his plans for your life shape the flow of life for you going forward? Our church has a vision. You've heard this time and time again recently, but we want to see more and more people passionately living for Jesus. Can you see, friends, this involves you. This isn't just about others out there. This is about you in here. Because we want to be those who live less and less for ourselves and less and less for our careers and less and less for our weekends. And we want to be those who live more and more for Jesus, passionately living for him. That's real Christian maturity. Well, we're passionate about Jesus, grounded in the truth about him, and that, that actually shapes the way we live life, living for Jesus. Are you, friends, invested in growing in your spiritual maturity? That's who we want to be. That's who we want to be as a church. And that's who we want to be as a church, then. It doesn't just stay here 
with, with, with us on a Sunday. It, it affects everything we do. It's not just something kind of in the air. This, this, this has real-world value. So I want to say two things to us here. What does it actually look like for us? The first thing I want to say is, it's kind of just repeating myself a little bit, but, but I, I, th- I feel like this is something we need to keep hearing again and again. Growing in maturity is for all of us. For all of us, there are ways to grow. Even if we kind of feel like we've plateaued in Christian life in the past and we're wondering, well, how do I ever get started again? Or even if we feel nervous about growing because we're thinking, well, I'm not sure I can do it. I I, I don't know what the steps are for me. It kind of scares me a little bit. But growing in maturity is for all of us, which leads me through to the second thing I want to say today. And the key is this. The key ingredient for growth is the Bible. The key ingredient for growing as a Christian is the Bible. Friends, where else do we go and hear God speak to us? Where else does God tell us what he's like and his plans for the world and his plans for our own lives? Friends, grow in your love for the Bible. Hear God is speaking to you. And I don't just mean God is speaking to you as a group. No, no, no. As I open the Bible, that is exactly what God wants Scott to hear. As you open the Bible on your own, that is exactly what God wants you to hear. If he wanted you to hear something else, he'd figure out a way to let you know. But God wants you to hear what he's put in the Bible for you. Friends, if you want to grow in your life, turn to the Bible, read read it, uh, listen to it, ponder it, meditate on it. Because as you do, friends, you are hearing the voice of your God to you, his child. If you want to grow in your maturity, friends, turn to the Bible. Of course, there are things you want to kind of add in here. There's... We need to be reading the Bible prayerfully because it's God's work to grow us. and So we want to pray to him that he would. And as we read the Bible, we need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit because he's the one who helps us really understand and grasp what the Bible is saying. And not just that, he's the one who helps us put it into, uh, put, put it into effect in our lives. We need to remember those things, but the key ingredient is the Bible. If we want to grow, friends, we need to turn to the Bible, which shapes what we do as a church means here, here on a Sunday, every Sunday, we're going to hear from the Bible. That shouldn't surprise you, I hope. Um, but, but more than that, actually, our regular diet on a Sunday is, is to work through the, Bible, through the books of the Bible. Uh, we take one book, like this is what Stuart was saying before, take one book, say Matthew, and we're going to work through the book of Matthew. Because we don't really want to hear Scott's agenda for life. We want to hear what God's agenda is occasionally, look, occasionally we will break this. Uh, so in a couple of weeks' time, Paul Harrington is going to come here. Paul um, is the senior pastor across the Trinity Network of Churches. Uh, I'm going on leave for a couple of weeks. Paul's going to come and he's going to preach on a topic, not through the Bible, not through a Bible book. He's going to preach on the topic of work. But as Paul comes and he does this, he's still going to open the Bible and point us to different parts of the Bible and show us the implications of the Bible that the Bible has on, on work. Because let's be honest, as, as, as fun as it is to have Paul here, no one really wants to come and hear what Paul's got to say about things. We want to come and hear what God has to say about things. So friends, as we open the Bible here on a Sunday, I just want to suggest a few things. Uh, be reflective as you listen. Perhaps that means for you reading the passage beforehand 
so that when you come here, you can engage a bit better with what's being said. Perhaps it means mentally taking note of a couple of things and asking, having conversations afterward. Perhaps it means going home and writing down a practical idea each week or, or continuing to pray over what you hear from the Bible in church. Look, it might be something else entirely, but I want to suggest be reflective as you listen in at church. Because this will help you move on from just hearing something and perhaps even just knowing something to letting yourself be shaped by the word, to be shaped by what God has to say. The Bible is the key ingredient. It, it changes what we do at church and it shapes what we do in our community groups. Stuart was telling us about this before. These groups are great for membership. And last week we talked about how, how, how excellent it is that we can have a small group of people that we dig deeply with. But really, we run our community groups because we want to grow in maturity. Which is why, again, in our groups, each week we read the Bible together. We talk about what it means and we talk about how this impacts life and we pray that it would impact our lives. Stuart said this already, but if you can join a group, get into one. It's fan they're fantastic. And if you can't for some reason get into a group, well, come and grab me or grab Stuart. We'd love to talk with you a little bit about how we can be doing something that helps you grow in your maturity, even if you can't make it to our groups. Because growing in maturity is for all of us. The Bible is the key ingredient in maturity. It shapes what we do as a church, and it shapes what we do personally in our own lives. So I wanted to ask today, in your life, have you built in time where you sit and listen to God's word in the Bible? Friends, it doesn't matter when you do it. It'll be first thing in the morning, it might be at lunchtime, it might be right before you go to bed. I think it helps connecting it to something else that you always do, because then you'll never miss it. But it doesn't matter when you read the Bible. But whenever it is best for you, Will you commit to spending some time regularly in the Bible? It also doesn't matter what you do, whether you read through the Bible in a year on a plan or you slowly read through one book and then choose another book and slowly read through it or perhaps you read the Bible alongside a devotional that you've got. You know, for me, I need to change up what I do pretty regularly so I, 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 nothing gets too stale. And I'll pass some ideas on to you in the weekly email this week, in fact, as well. But it doesn't really matter how you do it, but whatever works for you, will you commit to spending some regular time in the Bible? Will you be committed to it? Investing in your own spiritual maturity. Before I finish, though, I just want to talk to those of us in the room who are parents. If, if you're not a parent, feel free to listen in. Please do. But I want to talk to those of us who are parents, and particularly who've got kids who we're still responsible for. Um, if you've got kids, let me ask the question, who's responsible for bringing them up in the Lord? As good as our Trinity Kids program is, and as great as the leaders out there are, ultimately, they're not responsible, and they don't want to be. And if you send, maybe you send your kids off to a Christian school and... Well, ultimately, it's not the Christian school's responsibility either. Parents, this one's on you. It's your responsibility. Uh, let me tell you about a story. I was visiting a church a few years ago um, and got talking to a guy there, and we got talking about uh, life and our kids. He had children who were 
older teenagers. Um, My kids were younger at this point, so I don't think Isaac was even alive. And I thought to him, I'm going to ask him, I asked him, what did you do to help bring your kids up in the Lord? He's a guy who's older than me, he's, he's given it a crack. And I asked him the question, and he looked at me in the eye, and he said, Scott, this is the biggest failure in my life. I never read the Bible with my kids. Uh, you could see the sorrow and regret in his face that here was this responsibility that God had given him and he knew he'd made a mess of it. And as he stood there talking, he didn't want me to make that same mistake in my life. Friends, have you got kids? Will you invest? Will you be committed to their spiritual maturity? Will you read the Bible with them? Again, I'm going to pass on some ideas and resources in the weekly email. But actually, I reckon the best resource you've got is each other. Um, Because as you talk to one another, maybe you've got kids the same age, maybe you're talking to people who've got kids that are older than yours or something, but you get ideas from each other. Ask people what they do. Try something out. I think for us, the best ideas we've had as a family have just been asking other people what they do, giving some things a try and seeing what works and what doesn't for us. But, But here's the big question. Parents, will you be committed to the spiritual maturity of your children? Will you read the Bible with them? Friends, God wants us all to grow in our spiritual maturity. Will you be committed to that in your life? That's who we want to be as a church. Will you also be committed to that in your own life? Why don't I pray for us? Let's pray, friends. Our great God in heaven... Thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for your desire for us that you care about us and that you want to see us grow spiritually, being mature as your followers. We recognize, God, that we need your help in this. So we ask, please strengthen us. Please help us know the love of Christ and please help us strive for this in our own lives, that we'd be those who are who love your word and are committed to reading it because we're invested in our own spiritual maturity and we pray, God, that you would grow us, that you would change us, that you would shape us to be those who you want us to be. We are so dependent on you in this and so we ask for this in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.